Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. The Patriots drafted two tight ends can either make an immediate impact. What about Adam Trotman in New Orleans? Is Zach Moss good? We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online and Blue Chew. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Matt, we saw Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, however you say it, Justin Herbert, all go super early in the draft. A lot of hype about all of them. Who has the best career? The best career. Um, I'm probably going to go with Burrow. Um, I like uh, I like Tua. I think it's Tua Tungvaloa, but it's hard to say. I don't know. I I've like heard that there's a like a tongue in there instead of just a a tug. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, Joe Burrow. Um, because I think he's probably the likeliest still to like be healthy, and uh, I know it's hard to hold like injury issues against Tua. But uh, he has, you know, kind of been nicked up for chunks of his two years. And I like the weapons that Burrow has against him to start his, sorry, has with him to start his uh, career with in Cincinnati. You know, I'll just, I'll go with Burrow. But I think it, it will be close with Tua if Tua can stay healthy. Forced to choose, I would I would go with Burrow as well. Uh, I do think that if you go back and you just look at Tua's numbers, I mean, what an impressive resume that he has. And there's so many things you could point to. The hip is somewhat concerning, which is probably enough to break the tie. Obviously, with Burrow, it's really hard to know because we just have that one season. But my God, that season was impressive. Um, yeah. So we'll just have to see. And, you know, I don't think that... Um, Either place is is the greatest place to start your career, but for whatever reason, I I feel a little bit better about Burrow's odds in in Cincinnati than I do than two is in Miami. Uh, however, though, if you listen to Rotoviz overtime, you're aware that Sean and Colum are hitting their 100th episode mark this week. Uh, to mark the occasion, the Rotoviz Radio Podcast Network is giving away 10 one month subscriptions to rotoviz.com. If you are already a subscriber, we will add it to your subscription. If you are not signed up yet, you'll get a free one month subscription. All you have to do is rate and review the podcast on your podcast app or go to Twitter. Find anything or find a show in the Rotoviz Radio Twitter feed, retweet that out. The more retweets we have, the more entries that uh, will be available. As a reminder, Rotoviz Radio listeners can receive a 10% off discount uh, by applying the code 2020RV Radio at checkout. All right, Matt, these Patriots tight ends that they grabbed, two tight ends here. Um, first question for you is what do you think of the, of of the strategy of that? Clearly, this is a team that's looking for a tight end 
And did either of these players really intrigue you? Yeah. Um, we talked about this on, on last oh, show. With, with, oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, we talked about what I was about to say, that this is referring to something I was about to say right after that. We talked about tight ends okay. on the last show with uh, like a tight end evaluation. When we were talking about Cole Komet and how like, I just think it's really hard. Yeah. Uh, and so any guy who gets drafted in the second or third round is someone who should be on the radar. You have a number of guys uh, you know, who are drafted in that range who end up breaking out. Um, so we should be looking at both of these guys. Um, you know, and then if a guy is young, that's a good thing. If he's athletic, that's a good thing. And then obviously, as you said, yeah, the Patriots need to tie in. So both of them are catching my eye and I'm probably looking at the wrong one. Uh, Dalton Keene, who was drafted, uh, you know, 10 picks after Devin Asiasi. Uh, Dalton Keene is the guy who catches my eye a little bit more. Um, he's 21 years old as a rookie. So I think that's a, a big thing that he has going for him. As you'd expect, he's an underclassman cause he's that young. Um, he's not big at six, four but I think he's big enough in, uh, with a 4.71 40 time. He's I think athletic enough. He has an 81st percentile spark score. So I don't know. And he, you know, he has this reputation as being more of a run blocker than a receiver. But for his career, he averaged 9.7 yards after the catch per reception. That's really good. So I think there's some potential with him. Um, he's the one I'm paying to a, li- a little bit more. But, you know, with Devin Asiasi, if you look in the Rotoviz box score scout, which I'm sure you have, <laughs> you just see that, like, his complice is just littered with awesome players. So... Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm paying attention to the wrong guy. Wherever Asiasi is in my rankings and he's like low, I probably need to bump him up. But uh, it's just, it's hard really with either of these two tight ends to say which one is going to end up being the better professional. But they they both deserve a lot of attention. Yeah, so I don't really know which way I would go on on these guys. Like you said, there's there's, you know, compelling comps um for Devin, for Dalton. Um you know, like the athletic profile could be kind of intriguing. I guess what is really hard for me though is actually making sense of what this Patriots team looks like going for. You know, I, I would like to think that I have an idea of what to expect, but I mean, I really think that we're looking at a situation and and you could say that perhaps in that depth chart, there's room for a player to step in and start making an impact as a receiver. But I'm not really certain that this tight end spot in New England is going to be that valuable, especially in the short term and at a position that normally takes a while to develop. Um, So like from a fantasy perspective, I'm actually not overly excited about either of them. Um, I can also see how the fact that there's two of them makes it seem like one of them should hit, but I don't think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, so that's my kind of disorganized take on this situation. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Asiasi, he went 10 picks ahead, um, but he's a little bit shorter. He's not much bigger. He's a little bit slower. He's two years older. So it's like, like, what is, what's all that special about this guy? But, you know, like, I guess the extra size and uh, he was a little more productive as a receiver. So that puts him in a different type of comp group. But um, Mike Renner of PFF says, you know, like he profiles as a number two tight end, but he wouldn't expect much more. And his comp for him is 
Michael Humanana Wananui, and I'm sure I screwed <laughs> that up. But uh, like I, that feels like that feels much more accurate than comparing him to Mark Andrews yep. and Martellus Bennett. You know, yep. like. But again, like, what do I know? Like, tight ends, who, who the hell knows how to evaluate these guys? So, I don't know. Yeah, you know, the other interesting thing is you can make the case that, on one hand, the Patriots were like, we just need to try to get a tight end. We don't really know with these guys. Let's take two shots. You could also say that the fact that the team was willing to take two, they must have felt very good about, you know, about Keen if they took him after they already had used one pick on the position i don't really know where to land on it which makes it an even murkier situation uh but before we get into the rest of the topics this week we have another intriguing tight end to talk about let's take a minute for a word from our sponsor bet online with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think that there's nothing to bet on. You'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Adam Trotman goes to New Orleans. He is a tight end that I've seen drawing interest from a lot of people in the Twitter sphere. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with playing in New Orleans. Uh, in the short term, he will be behind Jared Cook. Of course, we don't really care quite as much, like we've talked about a lot, uh, you know, with that short-term outlook for tight ends. Uh, did this get you enthused for him? And I guess we, we haven't actually talked about him before. Heading into the draft, was he a player that you'd paid much attention to? Not really. I mean, I know he's minorly intriguing because he was productive and... Uh... Like, in a certain way, he looks a little bit like Dallas Goddard, um, but not as athletic, presumably. I don't think Goddard ran at the Combine, so I don't know if we ever got an actual 40 time for him. So maybe they are comparably athletic. But um, I don't know. Like, he feels like Dallas Goddard with less draft capital. Um, But also, like, there's nothing great about his situation. Like Drew Brees is going to be gone by the time Troutman is good enough to do anything in the NFL. So we shouldn't be thinking about Drew Brees at all. Yep. And so like at that point, we're talking about like a small school tight end who's 23 and who's not athletic. Like we know athleticism is important. We know age is important. We know draft position is important. And it's not as if Troutman doesn't have okay draft position, but you know, he wasn't drafted in the top a hundred. You know, he doesn't have athleticism. He doesn't have age on his side. Like, what am I going to be super excited about? You remember when Kobe Fleener <laughs> went to the Saints from the Colts and, and everybody went crazy, myself included? Um, yeah. It almost feels like there's still some of that sentiment factoring into this pick. I guess with it being not the greatest tight end class of all time, perhaps that could lend itself to the excitement. Um, but if there's anybody out there listening that's getting pumped because of this landing spot in New Orleans, like you got at, um, 
by the time he is likely to be relevant, we're probably looking at a very different situation. Um, speaking of the Saints, though, let's quickly talk about uh, Jameis Winston getting picked up for one year there. Let's say that the team does re-sign him. Do you think that it is possible? Um, well, let me let me kind of rephrase this. If it's Winston versus Taysom Hill, do you really think that it's possible that the Saints turn things over to Taysom Hill, or would it be Winston or another passer? I don't know if you have any thoughts on that situation or find it interesting, but I think it's worth at least exploring. Yeah, uh, I think... Man, I don't know. I think they would probably go with Jameis. I know that sounds really weird, but uh, I just don't know if they trust Taysom Hill as a passer. Like, I think they like him in some weird way as like a multi-dimensional weapon, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if you can actually run an offense through him. So I think they would go with uh, with Winston. But of course, like he'll be a free agent. So who really knows? Yeah, I'm kind of with you in that. I don't actually believe that the Saints would go completely with Taysom Hill at their quarterback. I mean, a major reason for yeah. this is if he's back there every play, you've taken away, you know, a large portion of that value that he has of, you know, really getting the defense kind of off base when you move him into the game. And yeah, you can move him around, but how many times a game do you really want to be taking your quarterback out of that situation where, you know, you're probably going to have the best probability of moving things downfield on a routine basis with your regular quarterback there. There's also the question of how good of a quarterback he can really be. And then it feels like you're using a suboptimal player in that role. I could see something more where you keep him around the team, you let Jameis or another passer be the main guy back there, and then you do what you've been doing with Hill. But I think as a long-term strategy for a team, it wouldn't really make sense. Yeah, they had a golden opportunity when Breeze was out last year to give him some legitimate quarterback snaps, and they didn't do it. Yeah, so I guess we'll find out the answer to that at some point. Uh, but for the time being, um, we have that one season here where we'll maybe get somewhat of a look. The interesting thing I think is going to be if we get a truncated um, preseason or even no preseason, we're not going to get a look into what Jameis might have looked like in the context of this New Orleans offense, like we might have with a regular preseason, you know, assuming yeah. that Breeze doesn't miss any time, um, yeah. which is going to be an interesting thing. I think too, as it relates to the rookies, that's something we also have to keep in mind for rookie production in 2020, especially in redraft leagues. Um, Matt, do me a favor here. Denver's tight end. Have you landed on how you pronounce this man's name name yet? Yeah, I think it's Albert Okawubanom. Okay. All right. But uh, I, I couldn't tell you 100%, but I think it's Okuebunam. Okay. We've talked a lot about the athletic profile. Um, comes out of Missouri. As far as tight ends go, 11 touchdowns as a freshman. That's pretty impressive. I think there's things to like about him. Um, where approximately do you think that he should be going in rookie drafts? Uh, and let's contextualize this in comparison yeah. to the two tight ends that the Patriots uh, selected. I think he should be going. Okay, so I've taken the stance of putting Dalton Keene higher than Asiasi, and I might be wrong. You probably don't have to put him. You probably don't need to draft Keene as high as I've put him. Yep. But I'm just thinking of, you know, a, a 21-year-old, junior or 21 year old rookie who's you know 
had some production and is athletic. Like that's going to be a guy I want to have. Uh, you know, and he was a third rounder. Okwebunam was a fourth rounder, so you know, that's a knock against him. He's going to be playing behind Noah Fant, so he's not going to really have much playing time. Um, you know, it's just harder to be enthusiastic about him. So I do have him ahead of Asiasi because, like, I'm just going to be enthusiastic <laughs> about Albert O, like, irrationally, but I should probably have him behind Asiasi if I'm being honest. Got it. All right. Um, a couple more players that I want to talk to you about, but we will visit them after a quick word from our sponsor, Blue Chew. Guys looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds, go to bluechew.com. Bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew, B-L-U-E, bluechew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. The Steelers' backfield is figuring to become more interesting. There's talk coming out that uh, we should be expecting James Conner's snaps to go down. Team drafted Anthony McFarlane this year. There's Benny Snell. Jalen Samuels already in the equation. I am probably most inclined to think that if Conner's work does get scaled back, Benny Snell figures to be the guy that steps into that role. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I would be inclined to agree. It's just, it's hard to know. Like, I think at best, uh, we're going to see McFarland be a a pass catcher uh, who, you know, gets, I'm who, like, who's able to come in as the number two. Like, maybe he actually really does pass Benny Snell and Jalen Samuel, but I'm a little bit uh, hesitant about whether he actually can do that. And I guess I said Jalen Samuel, pretty sure it's Samuels. Yeah. Uh, but Samuels is the better pass catcher like by far um and snell is probably the more commanding runner but uh you know maybe mcfarlane is able to kind of do both of those things in a manner that's better than either one of those two can so maybe he actually ends up becoming the number two but uh even then like let's say if james connor goes down uh mcfarlane is not the number one i think one of those other guys becomes the lead back and mcfarlane would stay as the number two guy Right. Uh, before we, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but um, is the Pittsburgh backfield still this dynamite situation? Um, or do you think that people need to kind of start to change their opinion on this where playing running back for the Steelers doesn't necessarily guarantee success? Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't guarantee success, but the guys who have done it like one thing that is interesting about the Steelers is historically they have been willing to give one guy a lot of the workload whenever he's been the starter so if they continued <laughs> if they continue to do that then it's worthwhile it's just it's so hard to know you know because they have said that they do plan to cut back Connor's role this year but 
I don't know. It's just it's hard to know if they actually have the uh, commitment to doing that once the season starts. Yeah, fair point. Now, I think that we might have talked about Zach Moss last week. Honestly, I, I absorbed so much draft coverage that I really don't even remember what we talked about in our own show. But Zach Moss, I was never as high on as other people. I didn't get the sense that you were either. He now lands in Buffalo with Devin Singletary, who surprised as a rookie, much better than I gave him credit for. Um, But there might be an opportunity for Moss to get some work. Two-parter here for you. Zach Moss, how good do you think he is? And do you think that absent of him beating out Singletary outright, we could see a situation where both backs are valuable? Okay, so I'm a little pessimistic that he's that good. Um, I know that he ranked highly in a lot of the uh, the metrics at PFF that uh, in the past have been predictive for NFL success. But um, I don't know. Like, I don't think he compares all that well to some of the guys that uh, – people compare him to. So for instance, there's a lot of like Kareem Hunt comparisons, but he's older than Kareem Hunt was. He wasn't as productive in as many uh, years as Hunt was. Uh, Hunt was the better pass catching back. You know, like I'm just, I'm a little more pessimistic. Like you can compare him to some good players, but he also is really comparable to a lot of guys drafted in the third and fourth round who did nothing. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be just a little bit pessimistic. That said, I do think he has a pretty decent chance to play like the Frank Gore role this year and maybe be the goal line scorer, which like that's significant. Um, even in his final eight games last year, when Devin Singletary was still getting a ton of yards, he had only two touchdowns. So, uh, you know, given that Moss is significantly bigger, I do think he could be the goal line guy, uh, which I think hurts Singletary more than it kind of helps Moss. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um, uh, but a player that I was excited about, Tyler Johnson, lands in Tampa Bay. Did you laugh immediately at the Tyler Johnson? Uh, no, that was me hiccuping. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, no. I think that's a first. All right, Tyler Johnson... Um, I'll, I'll kind of frame this in the same way. Um, were you at all excited about him? I actually think that he was a really interesting prospect. He's going to be going to a team where there's not much room now. Um, and it's probably hard to know exactly what Tampa Bay looks like, you know, two, three years from now. Um, so I guess I'll just frame it like this. Do you think that uh, Tyler Johnson is a guy that we should be looking at in rookie drafts? Yeah, I do. Um... I think there's a chance that he ends up being a starter this year for the Bucks, um, because they could look at the three wide receivers they have, like Evans, Godwin, and then like who's number three? Is it Scotty Miller? Um, I mean, like they they could just say like we don't really know who it is, but we do like Tyler Johnson, um, and Bruce Arians seem to be pretty enthusiastic about. Uh, about Johnson whenever they were interviewing him. Now, maybe he's just going to say something great about all of the players that they draft, but um, I don't know. Like, I think there's a non-zero chance that they look at their wide receivers and they say, our best group is Mike Evans and Godwin on the perimeter, even though Godwin played in the slot last year. Like, I think he's good enough to play on the perimeter. They could say our best group is those two guys on the perimeter with Tyler Johnson, who played in the slot in college with Tyler Johnson in the slot. 
like that's that's possible. And he's I feel like the kind of receiver who would be Brady's type of guy. Like he's a um he's a good route runner, you know. That's not like me saying that. That's like people who actually watch route running. They say that he's the best route runner in the class or like top 2. Um you know, he has strong hands. He's not much of an athlete, but like he's he's a good route runner and supposedly smart. Like that feels like the kind of guy in the middle of the field who can do something with Brady. And obviously, like, I mean, if you're listening to this, you're familiar with Rotoviz, you know uh, that Tyler Johnson was super productive in college, uh, you know, like elite level production in college for multiple seasons. So I don't know, like there's there's a lot to like about him. I wouldn't draft him before the third round, probably even like late in the third round. But um, like if I get him late in the third round, I'm not disappointed at all. Yeah, so the reasons that I remain excited about him, obviously you have Edwins and Godwin there, but as you pointed out, behind them on the wide receiver depth chart, there really aren't any names that I think are better than Johnson. Of course, right now, who knows how things are going to shake out at tight end, but long term, you're probably not going to have Gronk there. I think one of Howard or Brait has to go this season, um, and you know you make those adjustments, and I think that right there, you have a decent opportunity for Johnson to play in what's going to be a pretty good offense. I think regardless of who the quarterback ends up being in the long term, or perhaps maybe not a great offense from an, from an NFL standpoint, but one where a wide receiver three can pick up some points in a given week because the defenses are going to be worried about all of these other players. So I really like Johnson. I'm still pretty excited about it. Like Matt said, I'm not going out of my way to draft him earlier than he needs to be. But in the later rounds of a draft, if I see Tyler Johnson, I'm probably pulling the trigger. Um, I had a couple other questions lined up for you, Matt, but the one that I do want to try to squeeze in here is Matt Breida going to the Dolphins. He's going to be playing in a backfield with Jordan Howard. Which back do you like more in 2020, and are you excited about either? Uh, Not really excited about either. I do think Jordan Howard has the potential to lead the backfield and will probably be like, I don't know, probably be a thousand yard back. Like, I, I know that seems weird, but as long as he's not injured, I think he has a really good chance to do that. Um, that's what he did his first three years in Chicago. Um, you know, last year, Philadelphia, I think it's just a little bit of a different situation. But um, I think Jordan Howard, they clearly intend to be the between the tackles guy who gets a lot of the workload. And then I think Brita is the guy who comes in as the change of pace and gets a lot of the receiving workload. Uh, and I think that is actually pretty useful. Um, you know, and if Jordan misses some time, uh, then Brita comes in and, you know, he could have like another season with a thousand yards. We saw him do that two years ago in San Francisco last year, even in limited usage, he had what 743 scrimmage yards, you know, like there are definite things to like about him. So if the dolphins end up playing in a system where they either lean on the pass quite a bit, or maybe they, they just have to throw the ball more than they originally intend to because they get behind, like Brita could come in and have, you know, like 800, 900 scrimmage yards. Now, does any of your assessment on that backfield hinge upon who the team actually goes with at quarterback, assuming that Tua isn't able to come in and play right away and they have to rely on Fitzpatrick? I mean, I'm thinking it's probably Fitzpatrick right. and I'm thinking he's the guy for most of the season. Okay. Um, but like like I said, does it matter to you which one it is? Not really. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't really think it should factor in that much either. Um, final question for you, Matt. 
Austin Eckler figures to have made his way out pretty well out of the draft. Um, is he an RB1 in fantasy in 2020? Yeah, I think so. Is he an, Especially PPR. Yeah. But yeah. Is he a top six running back? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Dude, Austin Eckler, I think it's awesome. It, it's, um, it's, it's hard not to get super excited about him. But you know what? I'm not going to be surprised if people sleep on him a little bit and you get a tiny discount on him. Do you think he gets uh, a thousand, a thousand? Mm. I'm going to go with no, but I think he's going to, I think he will be within 150, 175 yards of it. Yeah. I mean, he had 993 receiving yards last year. Like that's the hard one to get is the receiving yardage. Right. So, you know, if they use him just a little bit more in the receiving game, and I think they will, he had, you know, I say only, but only 108 targets last year. Um, you know, I think he could bump that number up quite a bit. Like, how many did Christian McCaffrey get last year? I'm looking at it now. It was 100 and, 142 yeah, targets last so year. So many targets. You know, like, if Austin Eckler is able to get even, let's say, just like 115, 120, which I think is reasonable now that Melvin Gordon is gone, if he can do that, I think he has a pretty good chance of getting up to 1,000. And then, you know, if he's the lead back, I think he's got a chance to get a thousand yards rushing. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's locked to do it, but I think he's got a real chance. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the reason that I can't say that he will is I do think, and I mean, who the hell knows what I'm really basing this on. I just think it's hard to go a full 16 games, which I think he would have to do in order to yeah. get to that threshold. So, you know, yeah. more it's more likely than not that he doesn't get there, but I do think that uh, he has you know, outside of Christian McCaffrey, probably as good of a chance as anybody of doing it. One more thing that I think could prevent him from doing yep. that is Tyrod Taylor as his quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he just doesn't check down to the running backs all that much and that could hurt him. Yeah. I think that's a fair point too. And then actually, I guess I should, I should ask you this. I had said probably as good of a chance of anybody, but to Saquon Barkley have a better chance of doing it than uh, Austin Eckler does. Mm, that's a good point. I don't think so because I I don't think he gets that many targets. Yeah, uh, there are just I think too many other guys on that team who are good who will get targets. But um, it's not to say like he doesn't have the talent for it. I think he does. I just don't think he'll get the opportunity. Yep. Oh, hey, can I actually throw in one more question here while we're talking yep. about Saquon Barkley? Yep. We've now seen two seasons from Barkley. Terrific terrific rookie season still a good season last year maybe not what people were expecting from Saquon Barkley um was a ridiculous prospect now that we've seen those two NFL seasons how good of a running back is he from an NFL perspective is he as good as we thought yeah he's I think I mean it's hard to say that he's the best in the league because that's like insulting to Christian McCaffrey but I don't know I mean I think he might be better than Christian McCaffrey. Like, I think he's the better runner. And, like, people are dragging him for what happened last year. He still had 1,400, almost 1,450 yards from scrimmage in 13 games. Like, that's really good. Like, there's nothing at all that he did last year that should make anyone disappointed. I mean, I guess you're disappointed if you spent the number one pick on him or something like that. But, like, nothing that would make you think last year that he's not an awesome player worthy of a top two pick. Yeah. I mean, from a historical standpoint in the last like 20 years, no matter like what you're looking to slice if you go fantasy, if you just go, well, I mean, fantasy obviously is very much tied to actual production. 
But the overarching point is here, it was still like a higher than 85th percentile type of season. So I think that just shows how high he set the bar as a rookie. So, I mean, anybody that's talking about Saquon Barkley is not like, you know, a super elite running back, I just think is wrong. So I'm I'm glad that you're uh, in agreement there. Yeah. All right. That does it for this episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to Bet Online and Blue Chew for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy. It's a fantasy.